Hello, welcome to yet another episode of the Big Red Dram. I think we're up to 17. Um, holy crap, time goes by when you're having fun. Um, episode 17. Um, <laughs> I'm just marveling at that number at this point. Um, for those loyal listeners out there, thank you as always for listening. Um, this episode is about Brooklady. Um, or when I first heard of them, Brooklady, which is what I thought it was. Um, but hell, what do I know? <laughs> I was corrected, um, actually by self, uh, preservation. I looked online to make sure I said it right before I started going too crazy back in the day. Um, cause I had quickly found out through my beginning journeys with single malts, nothing was as it seemed when it came to the names people chose for their whiskeys. So Brook Lottie. A distillery that had been around a long, long time, um, originally founded, I believe, in the 1700s, um, was uh, purchased by a, a family of the Harveys, I believe, uh, William, John, and Robert, on the old shores of Lochendal on the west coast of Isla. Um, the, the distillery had the unique opportunity of nearly disappearing in the late 90s uh, until a conglomerate headed up by Mark Rainier um, purchased the distillery for, I believe it was six, six and a half million pounds, um, managed to refurbish, completely renovate and rebuild the distillery using a lot of the original equipment and uh, had an ace up his sleeve with the acquiring of the man himself, Jim McCoon. So Brook Lottie, it started out in... Um, probably 2002, 2003, started releasing probably a lot of the old uh, stores that they had purchased when they got, or that they acquired when they purchased the distillery. Um, Because my exposure to Brook Lottie was right around 2002, 2003. Um, Might have been before that, um, if I recall correctly. But either way, my first bottle was the 15, uh, and the then shortly thereafter the 20. Now those are long ago bottles. You can still find those uh, on the whiskey uh, auctioneer website um, from Scotland. You can find them every now and then, but those bottles are long since gone. And uh, two of my favorites actually, when I was just starting to get on, into whiskey, getting away from the Glen Levitt's. Uh, was really Glen Levitt really where I started? I think it was Glen Levitt, and then I kind of started getting into to Isla's, um, the Lafroig, the Lagavulin, and then I think I got my my order maybe wrong, but I'm the Brook Lottie was early. Um, it was very early. Uh, the 15, I had bought a bottle of the 15, and I had bought a bottle of the 20, and I think I paid less than 100 bucks for each of those. And at the time, I was probably gagging on how much they were, but who knew? that we'd end up where we are today trying to get a good bottle of whiskey for less than a hundred bucks, but they're there. Um, but Brook Lottie for me was again, one of the entry, the gateway whiskeys to exposure to the Island of Isla. And like all journeys um, through whiskey that I've been experiencing myself and seeing other people go through as well, whiskey is very cyclical. You go through a cyclical kind of, 
growth period when it comes to whiskey. Sometimes you'll you'll enjoy it in the early years, you'll fade away from it for a while, but eventually you find your way home and you come back to it. And that is exactly what's happened with me with Brooklady. Um, I hadn't really gotten a lot of them um, recently. Uh, I was really kind of focusing on your Lafroigs, your Ardbegs, um, your Lagavulins, some the the three really heavier peated whiskeys that uh, that I enjoy from Isla. Um, heavier in quotes. Uh, Kalila and Bunahaven, I kind of enjoy. I like the Bunahaven sheeriness. Um, the Kalila, you know, you can't really get a whole lot of them. They offer some single malts, but a lot of it obviously is Kalila makes a lot for for blenders. Um, but Kalila, I didn't really buy until I went to Scotland. Uh, and the same can be said for Bunahaven. I didn't really find a love for that spirit until actually going there and there is such a thing as love at first sight when you comes to exposure to a distillery or exposure to something for the first time. Um, that was the case with Kalila. That was the case with Bunahaven. Um, when I first went to both of those distilleries, I immediately fell in love with the people, the the mission, the spirit, and um, the bottlings that I purchased. So they were they were very good, and um, I have not been disappointed by them. And as I was growing this podcast and starting to get into wanting to have a little bit of everything Isla, I purchased a bottle of the Port Charlotte Heavily Peated. And then um, the, my good friends at Fine Drams in Denmark had a couple of nice samples of Octomore Masterclass 8.2 and the Brooklady Scottish, Scottish Barley. Uh, I believe it's an organic. Um, so I have the whole range, essentially, relatively speaking. Because Brooklady now is represented by Brooklady, Port Charlotte, and Octomore. So since Jim McCune's retirement um, back in 2012, uh, Remy Cointreau purchased Brooklady at the sum of 58 million pounds. So a nice return on investment for 12 years, 11 years, uh, 12 years. And uh, not a bad way to go for uh, Mark Rainier. So... Now, as for a while, um, Brook Lottie has three ranges. So they have Brook Lottie, the namesake, which is their unpeated whiskeys. They have currently, they are running a few different core expressions of the Brook Lottie name, being the Classic Lottie, the Isla Barley 2011, 2010, their Organic Series. Um, they have their um, Rare Cask Series. They have the Lottie Age Statements. Um well, they have age statements on quite a few of them, but they have an eight-year standard, and then they have the Black Arch, which I haven't had my got my hands on yet. Um, but those are their current offerings you can purchase from the, direct from the site. Um, then you have the Port Charlotte. Now, Port Charlotte is their peated whiskeys, peated in the sense that well, 40 ppm is peated, heavily peated, um, as in the 10-year, which is the entry level for the Port Charlotte. And they have just the Isla Barley 2011, 2012, 2009. Those are ones that are actually on the site, on the shop, that you can click on and purchase, um, with the exception of 10, because it's sold out. Uh, and then Octomore. Octomore is the, um, <laughs> is the niche. That is the, is without a doubt, the he most heavily peated whiskey that you can get um, and they measure the peat by fennels or ppm parts per million um, 
one of theirs, a lot of them now, like the current release, I think the heaviest one is 114. And it's all really based on the peat that they get, which oddly enough isn't necessarily from Isla. I believe a lot of the peat that they get for the Octomore series comes from mainland Scotland. Um, what their highest one was right around 300. And I'm trying to quickly see which one that was. Uh, Master, oh, Master Class 8.3 was at 309. There was one higher than that. Where is it? I swear there was one higher than that. Maybe not. Maybe I am mistaken. Um, sorry, I am. That's undisclosed. 208, 208. Yeah, 309. Oct the 8 point. No, that can't be true. Sorry, I am. I'm bumbling this already. You can hear me scrolling with my mouse, I'm sure, as I'm on the website trying to be as accurate as possible. Masterclass 8.3. So I missed it by a dot. So by a tenth. <laughs> The 8.2 at a mere 167. The Masterclass 8.3 coming in at 309 ppm. Good lord. Um, so all three of them giving you quite a range. Um, the Octomore, some of them are aged. Most of them are aged. I think the, the min one being three, and they go up as high as 10 or so. Um, just go on the website check it out because each each bottle for crying out loud has it's really its own story so there's a whole lot of information to go on um just a phenomenal distillery as far as really coming out and uh just changing the way whiskey uh was represented by the fact that they just they just really blew it up with octomore and it is very much a niche market offering but it's popular um and they're expensive um they're up there in the couple hundred dollars for a lot of these octomores um i know the sample i got was i think 10 or 15 bucks for just the 8.2 but a quick brief history nonetheless um solid offerings so for me like i said it's the journey was cyclical and coming back to port charlotte coming back to brooklady um has been a welcome uh, event for me because I, I miss Brooklady. I miss the 15 and the 20. Um, you can still find them on occasion, um, but they don't really come out with um, offerings of that age statement a whole lot anymore. Um, but I am currently nosing here the organic Scottish barley, which is a non-peated. Um, has a very light color. They're non-chilled filtered, all of them, and they're generally not colored. It's amazing. I'm gonna say this and be, and be fully disclosed with you. When it comes to nosing these things, I try to nose them without reading what the actual official noses statements are. But as I read some things in, in kind of educate myself along the way while doing this podcast which should be educate first podcast second uh but due to time constraints these days it's educate and podcast um you i kind of pick some of these things out that they mention as i'm reading it which is weird because uh, notice that it says you can kind of get a scent of uh, candied lemon i do hear i do get a little lemon in the background 
overall, it's kind of an earthy nose. Um, you kind of get some oakiness to it. You get a little light. It's a light nose. It's nothing that's going to blast through your brain. And honestly, after nosing all three of them a little bit before I started, because they've been sitting here for a few minutes when I was getting ready, and none of them really just kind of ethanol attack your 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 senses. They all kind of just let you enjoy them. The palate on the Scottish barley. Mm. <laughs> mm hmm. There's some heat there. <laughs> a palate's very light in a sense that there's not a lot of overpowering flavors. I'm getting, I'm getting some sweetness, um, some sugar. Try not to cheat. Some light tones. It builds with character as you leave it on your tongue. Um, the legs are a little fine, but they do run slow down the side of the glass. But it's it's an enjoyable dram. It is. Um, it gets hot, and I'm not gonna tell you right now. The finish is pretty spectacular. It lingers and it kind of warms as it goes down, and it's hanging out a bit. Um, again, on the palate, there's some. I get a little bit of of lemon, but it's I got this. I get this earthy, not in the sense of peat, but the the grain, the barley kind of comes out a bit, um, and then the finish really is warm, and it's it's. It gets pretty intense if you leave it in and you kind of chew on it a bit. It's an enjoyable dram. I'm really surprised by that. And um, the, I've never had any of these yet, with the exception of the Port Charlotte Heavily Peated. Um, I did have a sip of that um, a couple, maybe a month ago, because I know there's a picture of it on my Instagram of me ha uh, having a, a sample of it in a Copita glass. Um, I wanted to do all Glen Cairns today, so it was kind of of the, the standard nosing glass that is so that it's even as far as nosing them and everything like that. Um, but yeah, there's really no peat, but it just does have this heat to it. It's got a really nice, uh, pleasant taste. I'm actually really surprised by that. It's, it's definitive to the kind of profile that I remember Brook Lottie having. And I know that from the Port Charlotte, it's also very similar to that. Fun note about Brooklotti is they're very much specifically Scottish barley. Um, one of the farms nearby, which was called Octomore, and the namesake for their whiskey, um, I know they have they grow some barley nearby, and a lot of it I think they get um, from mainland as well. So uh, the question I have, and I don't know the answer to, sadly, is do they peat on site? Um, I know they bottle on site, but the answer to that is no, they don't. They do the, the malting process, which is includes peating of the grain, is actually done offshore. It is done um, 
sorry, offshore. That's not offshore. It's off. It's done in the mainland, and the mainland does it. A lot of distillers have this mentality that if um, someone else who is experienced in malting, and believe it or not, like well over ninety percent of ninety four, five, ninety nine percent of all those distillers kind of do um, do this process, where they have a few places throughout Scotland that. Their, their job is strictly malting and they malt the whiskey or the malt the barley to the specifications of each distillery so um the malting process done for brook Lottie is um specific to port charlotte specific to octomore for those that they do peat um so it's taken care of out it's outsourced for lack of a better word I know Port Ellen in on Isla is similarly set up to do uh, that process for um, a few of the distilleries on Isla. I know Barclotti is not one of them, uh, but oh, I mean, I want to say I think Lafroy does part of it, and I know that Ardbeg does. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Ardbeg does, but um, Lafroy does. Pete does still do some malting. I keep wanting to calling it peating. It's not, it's malting. So they still do malting on site, but it's for like 10% of what they make on the island. The majority of it's farmed out as well. Um, Cause I know we did it. Uh, we walked on the floor and, and, and checked it out. I know Kilhoman does the whole process on site. Um, that's one of the neat things about Kilhoman is they actually do that labor intensive portion of making whiskey and that is the malting there so anyway long long overblown stories short let's 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 move on shall we so <laughs> to get to the port charlotte tent um it's definitely got a little bit more character to the nose you still get a little bit of the citrus i do pick up a little bit of the lemon still from the original Brooklady Organic. This one is a little more floral. It's a little more... Uh, you can definitely pick up a wee bit of the peat. Um, it's got some smokiness to it. Uh, it's... I think the nose this time is much more alive. And by that I mean it's really... I'm really getting like all kinds of notes... Getting a little bit of caramel actually out of that. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I'm trying, people. I'm trying. Mmm. Mmm. The palate doesn't build as much as <clears throat> the Scottish barley. The Scottish barley got really intense towards the end the heavily peated port charlotte's a little sweeter um and you know i don't get either my palate is starting to adapt or i didn't really get a ton of peat out of that um for 40 ppm it's light it's a lighter peated um but it's got some character it has has some sweetness to it which is unusual um it's very refined uh it has a nice but short finish on the back end 
Um, the stomach's a little warm, but it it's the the trip down's already gone. Whereas the Brooklady Scottish barley kind of hung out for a bit, um, but it's very warm. It's very inviting, um, and it's a it's another enjoyable dram. Uh, there there's nothing wrong with either of these. Um, you know, the Scottish barley I'd say is a solid 84, 85 for what it is. There's not a lot of wow factor there. But it's an, it, 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 as I said, it's, a, it's an enjoyable drink. It's, it goes down easy. It's something you can sip on. If you're looking to get into uh, something from Isla, the Brooklady offering is there for you. It's going to give you some character. It's going to give you some pop. Um, blow your head off a little bit as you leave it in your mouth and kind of enjoy it on the tongue. And then it'll give you a nice ride down. The Port Charlotte is a nice introduction to peat, actually. Um, going from one to the next, I'm not really picking a lot of peat out of that. The smokiness that it's claiming to have is a little bit, in my opinion, on the light side. I think I get a little more peat out of a Lefroig, a little more out of an Ardbeg than I would this heavily peated Port Charlotte 10. That's not to say that this probably is, a, is uh, well, I would probably score this in 86. Um, the legs on it are nice. It's a good it's a good color, slightly darker than the Scottish Barley. I'm happy I have a bottle. It's a great looking bottle too. <clears throat> I'd like to acknowledge that. Oh yeah. <laughs> There's some raisin there. There's a little bit of... God, I get raisins on a lot of crap. I wonder if I'm just stuck on... Or maybe it's just a mixed fruit. There is some fruit in there. Um, there was some lemon there. There was... There's an oakiness there. But yeah, it's it's got a nice kind of... For a single malt, peated whiskey... It's got a nice little ending to an otherwise unremarkable nose and a decent palate. Now, again, the palate was more aggressive, I think, on the Scottish barley than it was on the heavily peated, but it's all right. It's not to say either one of those are disappointing by any stretch of the imagination. So on to Octomore. So the Octomore... Octomore... For me, uh, has been a perplexing tram. No offering, for that matter. I really, when I first started coming out, I think the peat smoke was getting to me more so than uh, I wanted to let on in my earlier years because I had to kind of let whiskey, single malt whiskey, go for a little while because it was destroying my insides. Um, and I think that had a lot more to do with diet than it did the whiskey itself. Um, cause I had a, I had a bout of acid reflux where I couldn't enjoy whiskey for a wee bit. And when I finally got into combining water with it and not putting it in it per se, but actually drinking some water in between drams, it really helped calm things down <clears throat> and bring me back into the game, so to speak. And, uh, a visit with my uncle Ted, uh, kind of. I was into martinis and stuff at the time, and then he, we kind of got, well, hey, let's try a single malt, because it, it had been a few years since I had one. 
drank it with water, was able to enjoy it, didn't have any heartburn issues because I had let kind of taken a few years off. Um, and it was amazing to get back into it. And, um, but Octomore had started coming out during that off period. And I was like, ah, at the time, Lagavulin, I think, was Lagavulin 16 was the heaviest, heaviest, heaviest peated whiskey I was drinking, at least as far as uh, maybe not so much a PPM, but just is the, the way it tasted. If you haven't had a Laphroaig 16, it was at the time the definitive Isla Malt when you wanted something really kind of smoky that had a lot of character to it that w- went really well with a cigar. A little, the, the, the Lagavulin 16 was, was that was the one. Um, but I think drinking all that whiskey kind of, and I used to drink eat a lot of onions too. I didn't, long story short, I just, I, I, it wrecked me. So I didn't really understand what Octomore was about until recently now with the whole podcast and kind of getting back into single malts and getting back into um, really getting passionate about whiskey. Started reading more into it and it's it's for those people that are really looking for that smoky, peaty flavor that appeals to, a lot, to certain people and they wanted to really push the envelope. And some of the earlier offerings of Octomore did just that. It's a really cool bottle, but it's on the higher end because they're rare casks. They're not, they don't have a whole line dedicated to Octomore. By that, I mean, they don't, you know, it's not millions of liters. It's, you know, just a select amount. Um, it's because it's very much a niche market offering. So you're going to have to pay a little more for something like that. I will tell you that the color on the 8.3 is a lot darker than the offerings from the Port Charlotte Heavily Peated and the Standard, uh, the Scottish Barley. Um, the nose def- definitely does kind of get at you a little bit more. Um, the 8.2 Masterclass was a travel retail exclusive. Spent the first six years of its life in one of three different styles of wine cask. A French, oh boy, Morvet. Oh my God, I'm not even gonna pronounce this right. Let's just say it's a Fred, a French red wine cask. I'm not even gonna try. Um, some Austrian street sweet wines, and then uh, some French Sauternes casks. Okay, from a, from the grave section in Bordeaux. See, I got Bordeaux. Um, so some dessert wine stuff. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know why I do this. I need to really do more work in front, but it, uh, whatever. Let's fumble through this together, shall we? Um, anyway, the the French wine cask is is clearly evident because it's 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 got a red wine cask because the color is darker. Um, uh, it has just a, just a delicious nose to it. It really does. It's, there's a, maybe a hint of apple. There's definitely some smoke, some peatness to it. It just really kind of blows into the back of the mind when you really get there. Some cherry to, to it. Oh, I'm getting some odd, like, peppermint, which is weird. But 
there's something in the background. I really wish I could put a name to it. And why I will fail as a whiskey master. Because my portfolio of flavors to words stinks. And for all indents and porpoises, I really don't uh, intend to get to be a master at this. But I certainly like trying. Uh, it's a lot of fun to kind of try to put put uh you know put uh, put words to smells and i'm just uh, i got to i got to practice more anyway it smells really good so the 8. Point, what am i on i'm on the 8.2 sorry i got uh, distracted here 8.2 octomore uh oh man maybe i'm feeling the first two shots <laughs> i shouldn't do more than one of these at a time oh I'm going to be wrecked by the time I'm done with this. Um, you know what I didn't even mention? Let me back up just real quick. Um, the Scottish Barley and the Port Charlotte Heavily Peated are both 50 ABV, so they're 100 proof. The, um, the Octomore is 116.8, so this is going to put me on my butt. And no, you didn't hear me typing the uh, percentage to make it the proof. Nope, you didn't hear that. 58.4 if you must know 58.4 percent abv uh it does i could smell this all i really uh see the problem with oh sorry the <laughs> yeah i'm getting loaded the problem with octomore is they're expensive and they're hard to find locally and i know binny's has some but they're like god they're like 300 bucks two 300 bucks a bottle it's a bit steep especially when um, you're looking to, if you're a person like me, who's looking to expand his horizons and go into bourbons and uh, try other whiskeys, two, $300 is a lot of bourbon. It's a lot of other single malts that aren't as expensive. Um, it might be a fine, save up some money down the road and get one later, but, oh, this stuff. The more you smell it, the more it attacks your night nasal passage. But I gotta try it. So here we go. Mmm. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> Shit. <laughs> Damn it. So that's really good. Um, crap. <sighs> wow. The taste is very sweet. It's, it's got surprisingly for as peated as it supposedly is, I don't get it being a punch you in the face peat that I thought it was probably going to be. Is it smoky? Yes. Does it have that post mouth feel where you get the, the peat kind of in the gum line on the teeth? Yes. But when it's initially in the mouth and you're initially tasting it, it's sweet. Um, it's a sweet, fruity, citrusy kind of strawberry jam kind of to really literally steal the strawberry jam right off of the page but everything else is legit i can it is it there is a hint there of a jelly uh, it's just ah it 
really good. Ah, oh, that's and I'm, the reason why I'm so angst about it is because it just means I want to have to get a bottle, and I don't can't afford it right now. Um, ah, oh, that's really good, and I'm sad now that I haven't given Octomore its just due till now. Um, and the problem, the biggest problem I have currently, and I mentioned it in the. 105 episode in the talisker episode i think um it's it, it's hard to get into really collecting single malts now at this point in history at this point in time just because of the tariffs that are really kind of racking the price up and places like the whiskey exchange and and whiskey international and even um the uh, whiskey auctioneer site, it's hard to shop seriously for some of these rare bottles, some of these bottles that you can't really get here um, because of those tariffs. And because it just makes the price to ship it out of reach because you're tacking on almost another $100 on top of what could be a good deal for a bottle overseas. It makes it, excuse me, makes it difficult to get it here. Holy moly. Excuse me. Um, but oh, this Octomore 8.2 is delicious. And at 163 ppm, the smokiness doesn't really overtake it. Now, I don't know if that's the uh, maturity of my palate that is making that the case because it's not just straight iodine peat, but this is just, it's, it's, it's very good. It could be the proof. Damn it. Oh, it pisses me off because I don't want to love it and I love it. I'm going to put a 90 on that one, a 91, just because it's really delicious. Um, the, the finish lingers. It leaves more smoke at the back end, but the smoke is is uh, diluted with with these aftertastes of cherry and and sweetness that the peat smoke doesn't overpower it. So I salute you, Brook Lottie. I salute you wholeheartedly because I didn't think, in my own naive mind, I didn't think that a heavily peated whiskey could be like this. Um, and I really am glad I saved half of this 3CL bottle to, um, enjoy later because I didn't want to pour a heavy dram. Um, I wanted both of these actually to, to last more than one tasting and, ah, that is really, really good. And it just, the, my whole mouth now is kind of numb. Um, it's got a nice... A nice lingering effect to the palate and to the mouth and to everything, um, even the back of the head. <laughs> it is really, I'm really, really blown away by that. And I'm glad that I didn't rehearse this first because I really want to, again, I kind of try to keep these um, as true to um, real as possible. I don't want it to be scripted, uh, which is clearly why it's such a garbage, me- a hot mess of me going through ums and uhs and all of these other things because I'm trying to literally kind of 
fly by the seat of my hand by my, my hands yeah I, I think the alcohol content's kicking in <laughs> two tacos for lunch and a light stomach is not helping really uh enhance the experience um not deep pants but enhance just I don't, what I, I don't even know what i was talking about so anyway it's good delicious 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 uh i'm gonna have to go eat something heavy for dinner but anyway so there you go the the unpeated, the lightly peated, and the heavily peated offerings that Brook Lottie has. The Brook Lottie uh, Organic Scottish Barley, the Port Charlotte 10-year-old heavily peated Isla Single Malt, and the Octomore Masterclass 8.2 Travel Exclusive. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the range of Brook Lottie, and my clear winner is, of course, the Octomore, and I am going to really be wanting to find a bottle for uh, a decent price. So there you have it. Thank you for listening. Sorry for 38 minutes almost of me rambling, but um, uh, this was fun. This was a fun little tasting. It's nice to do kind of three in a row, um, not only for the buzz, but for the uh, experience to kind of get the whole line going. I might have to do this again with something else. Um, I'm not sure what, but, uh, I'm gonna have to look into that, but yeah, so there you go. Um, yeah, so that's really all I've got. So (laughs) thank you as always for listening. Um, and a quick shout out to, um, have a little family tragedy this week. Um, so I'd like to dedicate this episode to my uncle Russ, who is now, who has passed uh, as a result of complications of COVID-19. So it does does hit family, um, and it, it, it hits everybody, and it's the first time that it's kind of hit someone that I knew. Um, he and I haven't spoken in a while, sadly. Life gets in the way. Things like that gets in the way. He, did bat- he had been battling MS for quite a few years. Um, I'll never forget the day he mentioned it to us, and um, just... It, He's a good man, a good heart, a good soul. Um, he always, I was kind of born into the family as the seventh kid, so to speak, because my mom had me young. And um, he was uh, one of the older brothers, so to speak. Made sure to uh, make it known. <laughs> they all did. Everyone kind of beat up on me because, again, my mom, uh, I was brought into the family young. Uh, so he was younger when I was, when I came along, my mom was the oldest. Um, but, uh, he was a White Sox fan. He always loved to give me shit when the Cubs and them played. And when the Sox beat the Cubs, he always gave me crap. And I never heard the end of it, um, when they won the World Series in 05. And sadly, I never really got a chance to kind of give it back to him when they won it in 16. Um, and I, you know sad for that but he's in a better place because things had gotten really bad for him with ms and things and um i do believe he's in a he's in a better place second member of my family to be succumb to ms my grandmother on my father's side being the other and watching a strong-willed woman like her succumb to it too um it's never fun uh i've had too much of that in my life sadly to be honest and um watching terminal diseases to tear apart people for any of you that have experienced it is uh is rough but um wanted to give a shout out to him today uh, in his memory and um i loved him a lot even though i didn't get to see him a lot and um but nevertheless 
so today's episode is to him. Um, so cheers, Uncle Russ. Uh, hope to see you on the other side. And uh, for the rest of you listening tonight, uh, wherever you are, if you're enjoying some whiskey, uh, please do so. Raise one for him and uh, enjoy it one dram at a time.